Are you sure you want to admit that? <laughs> on, um... That guy seems like a wizard. Really quickly, people should know, this podcast is not about facts, news, or information. Okay? <laughs> text me back. Text me back. Text me back at once. Why won't you text me back? Text me. Text me back. Text me back, back. Megan. Text me back. A podcast about friends and animals that live in the woods and burrow into the ground and the worst people. I'm Lindy West. And I am Megan Hatcher Mace. Today's show is a real humdinger, isn't it, Lindy? It sure is. Taylor Lorenz is here, internet journalist, tech expert, woman in STEM. Yeah, we're addicted to guests now. We can't stop having guests. So internet culture and tech journalist Taylor Lorenz is going to join us to either debunk or validate Megan's very important and true conspiracy theory about the shadowy, all-powerful group that is using PSYOPs on TikTok to divide millennials and Gen Z. I think she's going to validate me. I guess we'll find out. We bring guests on not to entertain you, but to validate ourselves and to tell us that we're smart. That's right. Correct. And we're going to play a little game with Taylor that you've heard before. It's an FMK. That's right. That's right. But first, tidings. Do you have a song? It's just the classic. Stick with the classics, I feel. Do it. Do you have it? Tidings. Well, Lindy, do you? I sure do, Megan. As mentioned, I went on vacation last week. Ooh. To the frosty shores of Lake Michigan. Mm. Then I spent a couple days in Chicago eating the best ding-dang food I ever had in my life. Every single bite was perfect Mm -hmm. and cost a normal amount of money, unlike Seattle, where it's really hit and miss and everything is $75. It is crazy. I don't know how Chicago was pulling this off. Rent is normal-ish. Things cost what they're supposed to cost. What's up? What's going on? Anyway, so I had the greatest time of my life in Chicago. Every single, I just can't overstate how much every single restaurant was the best restaurant I've ever been to. That's basically all we did. Plus, we went to the Field Museum, of course, to see the animals. What a freaky little place. I love it there. Uh, I should have come up with a best animal, but you know what? It's too hard. Yeah. They're all the best animal. Not possible. Yeah. It's not possible. So we had two restaurant reservations per day, usually a a breakfast and a dinner. In between, uh, the one time we went to the Field Museum, and then on the other days, I just sat at my friend's apartment and played Dave the Diver on her Nintendo Switch. Now, (laughs) if you haven't played Dave the Diver, you should play Dave the Diver. It's a perfect video game. Yeah. Um, Even though it does involve killing fish, which I don't agree with, except for in my real life when I'm hungry. But Mm. um, for some reason in Dave the Diver, I don't mind killing them. (laughs) I'll fillet them too. I don't care. (laughs) You do, Megan. You do. You kill fish during the day. You dive under the sea to kill fish during the day. And then at night, you work at a sushi restaurant. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Serving the fish that you killed. Okay. But that's neither here nor there. What I want to talk about for my tiding is that then... Sadly, I unfortunately had to come home uh, where my Nintendo Switch is broken and I can't play Dave the Diver. <laughs> I flew Delta and a great crime was done to me, Megan. Oh, tell me everything. Grave, cr- grave miscarriage of airport justice. Ugh. Not the worst things that happened at the airport. Probably in the top 50, at least. I think 
it's top 50. I didn't like it. So what happened was I am a dainty girl's girl, as you know. (laughs) And I pack light. For instance, on this trip, I only packed one pair of shoes, which are my ugly uh, beige hokas, which I thought I can pull this off like a Gen Z or they wear an ugly big sneaker with girl every outfit. No, you can't. Um, I don't know why you thought that. Yeah, it, it did. It was not a success, Megan. <laughs> I looked very bad every day, but I, I didn't have room in my suitcase for another pair of shoes because I only brought a carry on because I like to not check a bag. I like to be swift through the, through the airport. And I have a little, a, a dainty little orange, roller bag but it's small it's like smaller than your typical roller bag even it is it is a i would say not even a standard carry-on size but even smaller and so i packed it carefully full of everything i would need except for um (laughs) the shoes of a normal woman and who was eating at fancy restaurants um and then i i i rolled it up to the gate when my group was called and uh the woman said i'm sorry Uh, This is a full flight, and we're going to have to gate check that. And now normally I volunteer to have my bag gate checked. You're a woman of the people. Yeah. Yes. And I don't like, as a fat person, I don't like creating a kerfuffle on the plane Mm. that involves like lifting things, standing in the aisle for an extra amount of time. Oh, God forbid you have to stow it a couple rows back and then I have to be like, excuse me, excuse me. Like, I, you know, I, oh, yeah. If I can gate check it for free and get a little treat, such as early boarding, I will always do it. Sure. However, on my way home from Chicago, I was like, you know what? No, thanks. For once, I'm going to enjoy my right to keep my bag with me. I can swiftly hop off the plane and run into my mommy's arms. Who's <laughs> and uh i'm tired and i want to go home so i didn't get i didn't i didn't volunteer the woman forcibly takes my bag from me she says you got to gate check this the plane is full oh my god yeah i was like and but still i'm a good citizen i'm a good samaritan i said okay ma'am yes thank you yes (laughs) similarly i got a ticket yesterday Because I was looking at, I was holding my phone while driving and leaving a truly unhinged voice memo that didn't that didn't need to be sent. A, a little a little boy cop pulled me over and anyway he gave me a ticket and um, first of all I was also like eating a big cheeseburger it was like so humiliating and he was like you're on camera by the way this is being recorded I'm gonna do a FOIA request I'm doing a FOIA request <laughs> to get the video but uh, anyway he gave me the ticket and he was like so here there's four ways you can pay and he was showing me. The, the ticket and the instructions. And then he was like, uh, do you have any questions? And I said, no, this is great. Like complimenting him on how clear the instructions are on the ticket. No, I love this. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, this is great. Like, I, and not like sarcastically like that. I said it like sincerely like that. Yeah. Cause I don't. So anyway, that, that was my reaction to the woman stealing my bag that was within regulations. Anyway, then I get back to my seat all the bins are empty. All the bins around my seat. Plenty of space. Tons There's of room. tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds, roadrunners. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool, great. Glad I don't have my bag now. But whatever. At least I can just snag it. You know, I'm at the back of the plane. I can grab it on my way. It'll already yeah. be at the carousel. I get off the plane. A whole other thing happens that I don't have time to complain about um, involving capitalism. Well, <laughs> I'll just do it really fast. When you get to the baggage carousel at at SeaTac and there are like 16 of them which is a large area to cover 
Alaska Airlines has been allowed to buy a bespoke <laughs> proprietary sign that only tells you where the Alaska ones the Alaska flights are unloading. And then there was no sign telling me where the Delta flights were unloading and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Okay. Ugh. So I finally find my carousel and long story longer, something goes wrong. It takes one hour and 20 minutes. What? For me to get my bag. Oh no. What the hell? Yeah. The bags were just sitting on the plane. I kept checking my little code and it was like, bag status on plane. Oh my God. The whole flight standing there, everyone's mad. I find it amazing. I find it amazing that the government just lets airlines do psychological experiments on an unwitting public. I feel like every flight is the Stanford prison experiment. And the government is like, keep us posted on your findings. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we say, no, this is great. I think this is so great. I have no notes and I'm going to keep flying. Delta sent me an email that was like, give us your feedback, except the thing they send you is a scale from like frowny face to smiley face. That, But the question is, how likely are you to recommend Delta to a friend? And then there's no space to like explain why you're mad at them. You know what I mean? And so them messing up my bag doesn't make me not recommend one of the only sort of maybe three usable airlines if you have to get somewhere fast, but do I like you? No, frowny face. I know. How willing am I to recommend you to a friend? Frowny face. So we're all standing there and then there's like a sort of a young, maybe a, a Gen Z or maybe a young millennial who clearly knows the ways of the web. And uh, <laughs> she's surfing cyberspace and she goes, uh, you know, they have a policy at, at Delta that if you're bags take more than 20 minutes to come out they give you 2500 free bonus miles so then we're all like okay sure do 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 and like we do it on our phones and okay two things first of all what first thing uh how about 2500 bonus miles per 20 minutes yeah because i waited 80 minutes yeah you hear that kevin delta you hear that second thing is that there was a really sweet lady next to me that i that i'd been chatting with and she goes wow that's a really generous policy they're gonna they're gonna go out of business if if they keep giving this this much stuff away. People hear about this policy. Yeah, they might go out of business if <laughs> they might go out of business if they keep giving away coupons for free massages. It's not real. They gave you nothing. They gave you nothing. You think you can buy a plane ticket with twenty five hundred miles? It's nothing. It's literally nothing. It was. It made me mad. I don't like being a victim. <laughs> But I was victimized by Delta Airlines, and I have no recourse except frowny face. You should send frowny face to Congress, and maybe they'll start regulating the airlines again. Mr. Frowny face goes to Washington. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my tiding. What's what's your tiding, Megan? My tiding is also consumer victimization. I have talked about this on my Instagram account, but I just really feel so broken down by this experience. I feel like I must share it on the beloved and illustrious podcast. Here's how why this came up. We are doing a live show, March 15th, 7.30 p.m., Town Hall, Seattle. And I was like, as a little treat for bringing Text Me Back live to Seattle, Washington, I'm going to buy a special little outfit. So I found a leather jacket that I liked. First, I found it on Nordstrom Rack, which is where I should have purchased it, but they didn't have my size. So I was like, oh, maybe I can find it in my size somewhere else. And I see it listed, the exact jacket, on a little website called Saks Off Fifth. 
which is like Saks's version of Nordstrom Rack. Okay. Supposedly. Supposedly. They should have called it Nordstrom Sack. Saks. Nordstrom Saks. This, not to give too much away, this website doesn't even, isn't even good enough to be Nordstrom Sack. Okay. All right. So I've never shopped there before, but I'm thinking, oh, it's got to be fancy, right? Because Saks Fifth Avenue is fancy. Is it not? Like That's the one thing I know about it. I feel like it's famously fancy. So surely their version of Nordstrom Rack is, you know, a step down, but not like in the gutter. That's what I thought. So I bought the jacket from Saks Off Fifth. I bought it on a Friday. And then by like Saturday, they're like, it'll be there on Monday. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't need it that fast. Then I get a notification from a delivery company called Viho. What's Viho? Great question. I still don't know. Hmm. I think it might just be a guy in a van. I really don't know. (laughs) But they send me an email being like, it's going to be there on Monday between 3pm and 11pm. And I'm thinking that's a crazy range. You know, after 10pm, just take it back to the warehouse. Like, don't leave a package after 10pm. Like, it's 2024. We know, surely we're all aware of the porch theft crisis sweeping the nation. (laughs) Surely. Here's the thing. Packages do two things. They either get delivered to you or they get stolen. Those are the two things packages do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Get a grip. So I so on Monday, I was like, totally naively was like, well, there's no way they're going to deliver it at 11 p.m. So at like 1030, I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. There's no way they're actually going to deliver it that late. I'll just see if they send me a message tomorrow. I wake up in the morning and they had delivered, Viho had delivered it at 12.06 a.m., and they had delivered it underneath, like directly underneath <laughs> my a porch light. So it was like a spotlight shining onto the I package. Yeah, that that said, attention, thieves. Here you go. Here is the item that you can steal. And then they sent me the same thing. They sent me a text that was like, how would you rank our service? One through five. And I was like, one? What are you talking about? Why did you leave this at midnight? So, so you know, I did my due diligence. I asked all my neighbors, has anyone seen this package? I assume not since, you know, I had woken up at like 7 a.m. and it was gone. I woke up, I get the message that it was delivered and I was like, no chance that package is out there. I was correct. It was not. So I asked all my neighbors, like, has anyone seen this? Maybe somebody came home late and saw it and brought it inside for me. Nobody had, nobody had seen it. And so I was like, fine, I'll, I'll file a a complaint or whatever with sacks off lost package surely there's a protocol for lost package surely this happens constantly due to packages only do two things they get delivered or they (laughs) get stolen surely there is a process in place for such a very common event due to the plight of the people who are needing to steal packages to survive it's like i'm not even mad at the thief I'm only kind of mad at the Viho guy. I'm sure Viho told the driver, deliver it no matter what, which is crazy, but I'm sure that's what happened. I hope for several things in the outcome of the story, but one of the things that I hope for is that you see the thief looking great in your jacket. I know. I hope he looks good. Or his girlfriend. I don't know. Either way. Yeah. Anyway, so so I wait the allotted three days. Sax like, you have to wait three days before you can tell us that your package wasn't delivered. And I did. <laughs> I waited three days and I was like, okay, it got stolen. It's gone. Uh, please, may I have my money back? And then two days later, they sent me an email that says, no. That's all it said. <laughs> 
It said no. And then it gave me a number I could call. So I called the number and the number's like, this number has been disconnected. So then I had to like call this other number. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm just going to say that I have been battling these people for almost three weeks at this point to get a refund for this jacket that was stolen from me. Basically, where we ended up was they I talk to them, they say, we're not liable for stolen packages. If you have an issue, you need to call the police. I'm like, call the police? The Metropolitan Police Department? What are they going to do? Fingerprint my door? Like they're going to CSI, like get a DNA swabs and be like, oh, we found, finally, ma'am, you've broken the case of the jacket thief of of Washington, D.C. He's been hitting every ward for the last four years with no leads, but we got him thanks to you. Like it's Ted Bundy or something. I was like, just give me a refund. What are you talking about? This is so crazy. I was like, I hate to say this because I hate Jeff Bezos with my whole heart, but Jeff Bezos would have Venmoed me personally the money for this jacket before he made me do this whole rigmarole. By the way, it was $200. That's not nothing, you know? And it's like, should I be spending $200? No, but we're past that. I spent it. So it's not nothing, right? So I keep calling them back and asking them to reopen the case, like, and escalate it again. And they keep being like, well, there's no chance you're going to get this money back, but sure, we'll reopen the case. Then I get, it gets assigned to this guy, Raymond, who's like, can you take a photo of your door so that we can compare the photo of your door with the photo that Viho sent? I was like, sure, man. So I send him a photo and he's like, I don't think those are the same door. And I was like, me neither. (gasps) Okay. He's like, okay, but to prove that's your door and the picture that you sent me, you have to take a video of your door. I had to to direct a feature film for Saks Off Fifth. Okay. So I had to make a video of myself entering my own door to prove that it was my door. And I sent it to him and he's like, the video doesn't work. And I was like, okay. okay." So then I sent a Google Drive link. I was like, here you go. He's like, that doesn't work. And I was like, okay, here's a Dropbox link. He's like, doesn't work. I can't get it to work. And I was like, oh my God. So then I was like, maybe he can't play this type of video file on his work computer. I uploaded this thing to iMovie and exported it as an MP4 and sent him that version, which he didn't even acknowledge receiving. At one point, <laughs> at one point, I was like, what if I took a photo of myself in the door? And he was like, no, don't do that. But I just did it anyways. I did like a photo shoot of myself standing in my own door, pointing at my like unit number to be like, see? I live here. Like, I didn't know what to do. At this point, I've done a photo shoot. I've directed a movie. You, you've you done tech support. I've done tech support. <laughs> I downloaded iMovie. I made a film. I was like, I'm doing all this stuff just for $200. And they're like, not giving it to me. Dude, Lindy, I'm not proud of this. But I started leaving comments on the CEO of Saks Instagram. I was like, Mark can you help me? I was like, at this point, I feel like I'm never going to get the money back, but at least I can waste at least $200 worth of Saks employees time. I don't know what else to do. I made I made a TikTok about it. <laughs> I made an Instagram post about it. I'm sending them DMs on Twitter and on TikTok and Instagram and all these places. I really am just like, not a photo of myself at my own door. I was like, should I take a photo of my driver's license? And at that point, Raymond was like, no, that is too far. Don't do that. The, the idea that it's cheaper to hire Raymond to pretend <laughs> like he doesn't know how to open a video than to send you $200. Is Raymond working for $195? Like, I don't believe that. I was like, this is it's unbelievable. And then I'm like, should I call my bank? And Raymond was like, I can't, t- I can't give you any advice about that. And I was like, oh, Raymond. Also, 
Just send you a new jacket. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Nobody's even offered to send me a replacement jacket. I haven't even been offered a gift card. Like, you guys really think I stole this jacket and then the way I am trying to sell the theft to you is filming myself enter my own home? <laughs> what is this? Like, it's so deranged. There, by the way, there's no resolution to this story. They just keep being like, no, no. The only silver lining to all of this is that like now people are sending me videos of of other people who have been victimized by sax and sax off fifth so like there's this lady on tiktok who ordered a dolce and gabbana ashtray and they sent her a can of tuna she she somehow was like well she was lucky enough to like get her money back but this other guy this other guy oh my god he ordered a 400 dollar bottle of perfume he opened up the box and inside was just a bunch of batteries stacked on top of each other and he was like um can i have my money back you sent me a stack of batteries and they were like yeah send oh yeah for sure send us that back we're going to give you a coupon so you can buy a replacement perfume send us the batteries back and then we'll refund you your money he sends the batteries back and they're like we're denying your request for a refund because we don't <gasps> sell this at sex he's like yeah no shit so Again, I have not resolved this problem. It's been two and a half, three weeks of this battle between me and Saxoff Fifth and Raymond and all of the other my homies in the Sax customer service. <laughs> I'm Mark Metric, CEO of Sax. I've reached out to you on Instagram. It, this is so deranged. It's like, what is their thinking? Their thinking is that I stole it. I just, I, it was just a coincidence that it got delivered at midnight in a high crime area. It's like I took advantage of Viho delivering at midnight so I could finally do my long con and steal a $200 jacket from Saks. Like, what is the thought process? Just give me my money! So that's what I did while you were on vacation. That sounds fun. Yeah, it was super relaxing. So basically, the long and short of it is Nordstrom would never do you like that. Just stick with the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Okay. <laughs> and when you see Megan shivering on stage at our live show March 15th, you'll know why. <laughs> you'll know who to call. Teeth are chattering. His name's Raymond. Turn into a big icicle. <laughs> oh, you should invite Raymond. I will. I'll send him a message. I have, his, I have his email. Up next, very very online columnist Taylor Lorenz is here. She knows everything about the internet and hopefully everything about the secret government plot to convince Gen Z to be millennials, number one haters. But we're on to them. We're on to them. Megan, guess what? What? We are doing the show live! That's right. I won't have a fun, fancy jacket from Saks Off Fifth, <laughs> but we will have games and laughter and some secret special friends, maybe. So get your butts over to Town Hall Seattle Friday, March 15th at 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. And get your tickets at KUOW.org slash events or look for the link in our show notes today. Hi. 
everyone. We wanted to tell you about a new show we are loving, the Culture Study Podcast with Anne Helen Peterson. It's a show about exploring the nooks and crannies of the culture that surrounds you. Each week, Anne and a super smart co-host answer listeners' questions about the stuff they find interesting and perplexing, like, why do clothes suck now? Is Paw Patrol copaganda or is it not that deep? And what's the deal with everyone I know getting a divorce? Like Anne's tremendously popular newsletter, the Culture Study Podcast is funny, insightful, and kind of weird. And it's guaranteed to help you become the most interesting person at parties. Listen to the Culture Study Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you get your shows. covers online culture and the content creator industry for the Washington Post. Her book is called Extremely Online, the untold story of fame, influence, and power on the internet. We will include links to her book and her Substack and her column and everything else in the show notes. Hi, Taylor. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We have so many questions and probably like days worth of conspiracy theories we'd love to talk to you about, but we've edited them down. Uh, so that you won't <laughs> log off. <laughs> okay, the main reason we wanted to have you on is I think I've uncovered a conspiracy theory, Taylor, and it's internet related. The conspiracy theory is this. I I watch a lot of TikTok, and you can tell me if that's bad or not, if I should stop using it. Um, I watch a lot of TikToks, and I just noticed this thing where there seem to be these generational divides between Gen Zers and probably like one generation younger and millennials slash elder millennials, which I think Lindy and I kind of fall into. And it all just seems so fake to me, just because, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't give a single thought to what Gen X was up to. And now next thing I know, some 17 year old is telling me I have to wear different jeans. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just feels like <laughs> feels like these divisions are made up by I don't know, a shadowy cabal to divide us because I think that Gen Z and millennials <laughs> have more in common than we don't. But we'd be too powerful if we mobbed up together. So I feel like something's going on. What do you think of my conspiracy theory? Ultimately, generations are just made up. It's mar- it's for marketing, right? It's like all just for marketing. And I think the intense focus on generations in the past kind of like several years is it is a conspiracy, but it's from the marketing industry. You know, it's from these uh, these companies that have these products that kind of want you to have something new or they want to kind of define themselves by youth culture. So they're going to kind of manufacture it. I wanted to do this story when I was at the New York Times and I got so busy. It was right before COVID hit. So I didn't have a chance to, but about actually the middle part thing, because I'm a longtime middle parter. (laughs) And I was like, I don't get it because I'm also a millennial. And I called all of these hairstylists and all of these people all over the country. And they were like, no, actually, since 2014, people have been parting their hair more in the middle and it's because of TV hairstyles and all these Mm. things. And my editor was like, this is not really a tech story. Like you're just on a crusade, but hearing it really from like the horse's mouth, these things are just made up and they're meant to trigger us into responding and generating engagement for an app or buying things. Yeah. When I was a Jezebel, when I was a real person working for the media, we used to say it just takes three times and then it can be a trend piece. And I feel like now it just takes one. You could just pretend yeah. it's a trend piece. It takes pretend one a- TikTok. It takes one TikTok. 
And, you know, niche cottagecore fairy goth is the new trend or whatever, you know, like. Oh, God, is it? I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Rebecca Jennings at Vox wrote a great piece recently about what she called trend baiting. And it's about, her piece was really great because I think she really articulated like the, everyone on TikTok has realized what I think everyone in digital media realized 15 years ago, which is that if you coin a name or if you tell people to say something a little bit inflammatory (laughs) and then you kind of like coin a trend, that's going to make people react, right? That's going to make people Mm -hmm. watch the video, click, whatever. And brands love it. So, um, so just every TikToker is constantly trying to like sort of manufacture controversy and trends and yeah, generational discourse is really good for that because millennials, at least in 20, I think it was 2021, they were like the fastest growing segment on TikTok, right? When all of this stuff started to take off. Yeah. And so people love, I mean, I love that content creator, Snarky Marky. I don't know if you guys follow him. He's so funny. We're millennials. Of course I'm going to ask you what Hogwarts house you're a part of. But he makes fun of like bad millennial kind of like video editing and stuff. But then you see people like Michaela, the beauty content creator, intentionally oh, yeah. doing the quote bad, you know, edit again for engagement. It's all just engagement bait, basically. Right. So then what do we do? Like, what's real? Like, OK, so our, our sort of main case study was this lovely woman named who we like as a person named Absolutely Lisa. Ooh! We're going for two garlics in this one. Oh, I can feel it. Mm. All right. It's like crunching in my brain. We just don't understand, or maybe we do understand, and maybe it's just hard to believe. It's It feels like she's making cringe content on purpose to generate people forwarding her, her yeah. TikToks and her reels. Yeah, she's... It's a it's a bit, <laughs> I think. But I wrote a piece about this for Rolling Stone last year on cr- intentional cringe content and how it generates so much engagement. Okay, couple of things. One, I hate that. I feel like <laughs> I want my cringe content to be sincere and not manufactured if I'm going to cringe yeah. at something. It's like when you used to be able to watch re- true freaks on public access and then yeah. eventually I feel like corporate media started to create fake freaks <laughs> to mm-hmm. trick you. You know what I mean? I don't like that. And second thing, second thing is... Where does the money come from, from eating a hard-boiled egg really close to the camera? Is it because, like, do you get brand deals from doing cringe content? I don't understand. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You can make a ton of money. You can make a ton of money. Because, I mean, this is also where you see a lot of the fake food trends. Like, the guy that made the... um the potatoes and shrimp in the airplane bathroom sink. Did you see that? I hate that guy. That was disgusting, by the way, when he ate it. It's just, it's for the views. And the more views you have, the more you can go out to brands. And brands love weird shit like that. They do. It's like all like viral marketing. First of all, I hate that guy. Not because it's gross, but because it's obviously manufactured. And I, again, I only want true freaks to cross my feed, not fake freaks. (laughs) Okay. The problem is, is that people have realized that the more sort of outrageous and kind of parody level you are, the more the more engagement it generates. And, yeah. And also engagement and views and followers are its own kind of currency that's very valuable. Even if you never get a single brand deal, but you suddenly have a million followers, that gets you things, you know, and you have... Yeah. What do you get? 
I mean, you have clout. You could flip that account later and sell it. There's value in an account with followers. Whoa. And also just also if you ever need anything. I mean, this is like when I interview young people about why they want to be influencers. Rarely do they answer just with money. It's usually if I need something, I know that if I... It's a, they feel it's like a proxy for stability because we have no mm. economic stability. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. If they need healthcare, it's better to have a million followers. Yeah. Um, God. Right. It's like an easy way to funnel people to like your emergency GoFundMe or something if you if something happens to you or your family member. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Dark times. I think also like there's so much intentional cringe content that I totally feel you like. And sometimes I've been gotten, even I, I've scrolled and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then I'm like, it's bait. I'm falling for bait. Yeah. But on Twitter, especially, God forsake that place. But like, <laughs> it's um, th- that stuff goes really viral because the media, like millennial media journalists, like they truly have no ability to like recognize parody for some reason. And like, I mean, Ryan Broderick wrote a good piece on this last year. Just like on TikTok, that stuff is understood as a joke kind of like, and you can go in the comments and people mm-hmm. kind of recognize it. On Twitter, all context is stripped and it generates outrage bait that's often gets written up in the media as yeah. sort of fact. And like next thing you know, it's like on the Today Show being like, Gen Z doesn't know that pickles are cucumbers or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. And also, like, I mean, I think people like content creators like Khalil Green have done a good job of like calling stuff out as well. AAVE includes both grammatical structures and vocabulary commonly mislabeled as slang that both follow tradition and are constantly evolving. So much of what they say is in or is new is obviously just black culture. Like the Today mm-hmm. Show just last week, Jenna Bush Hager had this like you know, elementary school, like white elementary school teacher on who's perfectly well-meaning, but is like, let me tell you what Riz means. A black content creator invented that term and like, or who popularized it. So that's also like a weird dynamic to it too. And I've seen a lot of content creators of color just be like, this is all manufactured. And also like, this is very like white suburban millennial Mm -hmm. culture and like normal people. Yeah. There's no such thing as a normal person, but you know, people outside of that bubble, like aren't as triggered. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I feel like not to take, not to get too serious, but how much of this, it does actually influence not just like what you buy, but like our politics. I guess the one of the things I was thinking with respect to my conspiracy theory, which thank you for validating me, Taylor, that's the primary reason we had you on. (laughs) I just am curious, like, you know, when you look back at like the history of movements, there's always like a more powerful forces try to destabilize those movements by driving wedges between the people involved. And I just wonder how much of these like, trend baiting and rage baiting and and these divisions between various generations. How much of that do you think, I don't know if I want to say, I don't know if I want to ask you how much do you think is politically motivated or how how do you think politicians take advantage, I guess, of those sorts of divisions? Like how does that actually impact our politics, if at all? Yeah, well, I think there's big political divides. I mean, there is a political divide between older millennials and younger Gen Z people like although they have the same interests and relatively same class interests and like we're all in the same fucked economy like we all grew up (laughs) in it there are you know there is that sort of vibe where I think a lot of older millennials are associated with neoliberalism and the Obama years and Hillary Clinton and that's what that like mocking of the like BuzzFeed millennial is making fun of it's essentially like a resistor kind of 2016 feminism like girl boss energy and obviously Gen Z is 
has a very strong and negative reaction to that for many good reasons, because it was Mm -hmm. problematic in so many ways. Um, And actually, obviously, a lot of millennials don't agree with it. But I think that it's I think that they're trying to assert their own political ideology often when they're sort of going against that, which is a good thing. Yeah. But I agree that sort of like the divisions are bad and politicians exploit that, I think, by sort of playing into those divisions, you know, by just being like, oh, yeah, millennials, like, yeah, exactly. Aren't Gen Z so out of touch and radical? Like, yeah, not like us grown adults, you know, and it's like, yeah, no, (laughs) you guys are rich boomers. We don't even own a house. So chill, you know, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's but it does get exploited. I do think that there are there there are there is somewhat of a political di- divide between like a f- average forty five year old and twenty five year old, which is also always yeah. has its how it's been, you know. Okay, creators have sniffed out that controversy gets them clout, and so marketing is driving it, and then politicians are exploiting it. So maybe the CIA is not literally doing it, but maybe they're encouraging the politicians <laughs> to... No, I think the CIA is literally involved. Yeah. Okay. But it's like the attention economy, you know? And I yeah. think it's... I think that's like what we all live in now, and that's ultimately what this is about. Also, it's funny to see... I mean, I just wrote a story yesterday about Joe Biden joining TikTok and the reaction to that. Like... You know, there's energy on these platforms around just the same way it used to be on Twitter, you know, social platforms. It's like there's vibes around certain politics. And TikTok definitely has a very progressive vibe to it. Um, Obviously, there's reactionary stuff on there. But like most young people on that app are not huge Biden fans right now, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see him try to operate in that space. I'm sure it's going to go great. <laughs> He's going <laughs> to already writing genocide Joe all over his comments. So should we take bets on how long the comments are going to be on before they finally throw in the towel? <laughs> Turn off the comments. <laughs> what are you looking at right now? Because obviously I'm I'm five years behind trying to figure this out. What's the next big story that you think people should be paying attention to that we're not? Oh, good question. Um, well, I'll just tell you what I'm writing about this week because my brain can't think. Please anything. Um, but I do think there's a lot more like gen- AI-generated content and also automated content and faceless mm-hmm. influencers is like the big tw- trend for 2024, which is like those restock videos. It's basically con- like content where you don't see the person's face ever, and it's usually focused on products. Mm. Again, this goes back to like TikTok's pivot to sell shopping, and they just want to turn everything into QVC and everyone wants yeah. to sell you things. but. That stuff is getting boosted in the algorithm a lot. Videos where people are like refilling their Tide Pods into the that, those things, those like or, little organization videos. Mm-hmm. I hate those. It just makes me feel bad about oh, myself. I do, yeah. I do follow that one lady. I follow that one lady that has every kind of butt wipe and uh, mini perfume. Oh, I don't know her. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, I follow Jeremy Fragrance. Do you guys follow him? Yes. yes. The yes. perfume guy? Yes. 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 I love that. You know... I just I wish it didn't have sinister implications, you know, every single part of it, because I do I do I there is pleasure in some of these weird things, Mm -hmm. you know, my other question is, how do me and Megan be more successful? You need to start you need to start drama. (laughs) Oh, no, if you don't want to make shrimp in an airplane bathroom, um, (laughs) you need to you need to just create some bait, basically, okay, get yourself canceled on the app. Okay. Yeah, we could maybe okay. start a fight with a with a different podcast. That could be fun. Like Bo 
and Yang, Matt Rogers, we're coming for you. Or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll work on that. Yeah. Good idea. Good okay. idea. Well, to the extent... Taylor, that TikTok and other social media apps are kind of like vectors for misinformation. And these things, these things that go viral do have impacts on not just our consumerism, but on our politics. Is there anything like what is happening in Congress to try to rein this in, if anything? I just feel like every time I see a clip from a hearing about TikTok, it's like, does it go to the Wi-Fi? <laughs> like, how do you, like everyone in Congress is a thousand years old and don't know how to use yeah. phones. So what exactly is can it, a regular person do if you're worried about misinformation spreading on TikTok or or AI or like creepy, like deep fakes? Don't back legislation proposed by these Congress people. I mean, I wrote a piece that's very critical of the Kids Online Safety Act. I think there's a reason that nearly 100 LGBTQ organizations have signed on against that. Anytime they tell you that it's for protecting kids, mm-hmm. be very skeptical because what it, ultimately what a lot of this legislation does is strip our rights to speech and it, it really punishes the most marginalized people on these platforms. So, um, yeah, I think they don't know. By the way, that was the hearing where I think it was Senator Tom Cotton kept, you know, berating the, the TikTok Singaporean yeah. CEO and asking him if he's Chinese. And he kept saying, he's like, I served in the Singaporean military. I'm Singaporean. <sighs> So, you know, that's just the average level of discourse that they're able to have about these apps. And what I'd love to see is comprehensive data privacy reform. We have zero data privacy in this country. Even if you ban TikTok, China can buy our data from a third-party Facebook vendor. So I think right now, though, the type of stuff that they're proposing, especially around the kids' safety stuff, is really scary. Yeah. And And I do think kids deserve to be safe online, but the legislation doesn't actually protect them. It's very similar to like the FOSTA-SESTA stuff where it's like, no, it's about protecting these groups. No, it's not. It's about restricting access and speech basically, but from the most marginalized people. So I don't have good news. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's okay. I just think it's, it's difficult to be like, I feel like we've recognized this problem. And then the people that are in charge of fixing it are all deranged. They can't turn their own computers on. Yeah, Yeah. they don't (laughs) know. They can't turn their computers on and they have ulterior motives. Like they, what they, it yes. seems like what they see is, oh, here's an opportunity to keep, to prevent trans kids from learning about anything. <laughs> yeah. The Kids Online Safety Act, COSA, which is a big piece of that they're trying to push right now, Blumenthal and Blackburn. Marsha Blackburn literally said that her reasoning for that, for backing the bill is because of the transgender indoctrination that's happening to kids. And then you see these like, alleged like progressive liberal people out there saying yes we really need child safety it's like guys they just call it that that doesn't mean that it does it's like the anti-terrorism laws or something it's like they just say say it's it doesn't actually protect children and and like that's the level of sophistication with which people are able to parse something as simple as calling a suppressive bill the freedom bill or whatever and yeah. then we and then we expect people to tell the difference between a real guy cooking shrimp in a toilet <laughs> it's just like okay we're just doomed it's never going to happen <laughs> Well, Taylor, this was terrifying. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that you validated us. And I like being scared. I like being just a little bit scared. So I appreciate that too. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play a little game. And it's not going to be scary. It's going to be really fun. And sexy. (laughs) And very, very sexy. (laughs) 
stick around, we're going to play a little game with our friend Taylor with the spiciest evil little stinkers in the internet business. That's right, it's FMK W after this. What a spooky and exhausting place that I hate. But enough of the chit-chat about trivial things such as Congress. Let's get down to real business. Mm-hmm. What does Taylor, the expert, hate the most about the internet? So we do a segment on the show called Two Minutes Hate because we like to keep things light and sweet, but sometimes we also have darkness in our hearts. And so we like to take two minutes and compartmentalize all of our rage into a little hard candy of hate okay we're gonna give you two minutes on the clock (laughs) i will time you okay taylor are you ready two minutes on the clock in three two one hate my biggest pet peeve right now is that um instagram and a lot of other apps have like banned a lot of specific words they've come out really against news and so you can talk about specific topics or say specific words i wrote about this it's called algo speak i hate that you have to that you can't just talk about like controversial topics online anymore and so you have to like spell everything in really weird annoying ways for instance i posted um story about revenge porn recently and of course i used the word porn so that like got me in trouble you know I got like a content strike and all this stuff just for using the word porn and I it drives me crazy and I feel like every time I post online now I have to like worry about the algorithms like oh yeah is that is this too political do I have to spell it in a weird way do I have to use an emoji now to talk online I know this is not one of those like free speech Elon Musk like people like oh we must have free no I just want to be able to talk about things that are going on in the world without like 12 weird spellings to avoid getting downranked. It's so dystopian. It's so dystopian. I really, it makes me feel like I'm living in a terrible world. So I really hate that. And it's really annoying. And also I am dyslexic. So I also can't even tell if I'm spelling things right the first place. And then I have to spell in a weird way and put emojis in. And if I have any time left, I just have to work in a second one too. I also hate the LED headlight situation that's happening lately. Headlights have gotten way too bright and I'm getting blinded every time I try and drive at night. So that also drives me absolutely batshit insane. I know it's not internet related, but it's technology and it needs to end. <laughs> if you want, you've got 30 more seconds on LED headlights, which are a scourge on our roads. I, I, it's, I, can't, I think maybe I didn't notice it because I was living in New York for too long, but now I live in Los Angeles and I literally try to go drive at night and I'm blinded. And then you get the like dots on your eyes because they're so bright. They must be causing accidents. And it's like, who they turn the brights down. I, the headlights have gotten just way too bright. I was driving last night and it happened to me and I flicked my lights to be like, hey, turn your brights off. And it's just, and then I realized it's just their lights. I hate it. And with three seconds to spare, you've crushed it. I, there have been times where I've had to just tr- move my rear view mirrors so I can't even see behind me anymore, but I, I just, I can't have them in my eyeball like that. We need sunglass shades. I know. Yes. Also, the first thing is very real. It's like, you can't say kill. You have to say unalive. It oh, just, it just yeah. makes communication seem so childlike when you're talking about something very serious it's strange and it's bizarre like yeah and calling porn corn instead to me it's very strange because everyone just figures out what it means anyway so then it's like what was the point now we're just using a different word for the same thing and you have to keep evolving your language to escape algorithmic censorship it's ridiculous like bizarre because they censor corn now too 
They censor the word corn on TikTok. Or like they, it's downranked if you post about that. Bad news for Iowa. Bad news for (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) Okay, we have another game, quickie, a little quickie game for you. And then we'll let you get on with your life. Um, A thing that we like to do over here at Text Me Back is we like to play a little FMK, but customized to fit any situation, really. So for you, we thought we would do a little FMK with the tech CEOs of the day. So uh, and since there are kind of like four big ones, we got Elon, we got Mark, (laughs) we have Jeff (laughs) and we have Tim. We added a fourth category. So F, Mary Kill, W, which is um, work in their own factory as an exploited laborer for the rest of their life. Mm. Yeah. Like work under their own rules in their own factory. Under their own working conditions. Yeah. yeah. I support it. Okay. So who you got? Who like, you got, Taylor? FMKW, the four biggies. Obviously, Bezos is working in the Amazon factory fulfillment <laughs> center, undeniably. <laughs> He's not going to be able to pee for 26 hours uh, while he does his deliveries. Okay, so we have that one. Hmm. I know it's impossible. But. It's. I mean, they all need to work in their own factories. <laughs> <laughs> Elon needs to work in the Tesla factory. I mean, I guess I'm going to say kill on him because, or do I say just K? Oh, you can say well, K. I don't know. Are we beholden to the sensors? You can unalive. Here's the thing. If you put him in a Tesla factory for a week, I mean, the amount of labor violations, he will be unalived probably, <laughs> yeah, you know, probably. within time because he's stripped all protections. Certainly lose a uh, limb. Lose a limb. If- if nothing else, yeah. So that's for Elon. Um, and then we have Zuck and Tim Cook. Um, I mean, honestly, Zuck seems like a wife guy. He's constantly posting yeah. about Priscilla. So I'm going to say Mary. And then, yeah, Tim Cook. <laughs> Dude, I know he's gay, but... <laughs> you marry Zuck and then you say, you know, I really want to work on our marriage. Let's go to counseling. And then like one of the conditions of staying together is that he has to go work... <laughs> In a fa- Facebook factory mm. or something. Well, he has yeah. to be a content moderator. He exactly. has to work for seven cents an hour yeah. watching gore videos. Yeah, and then and then with Tim, you can be like, "Hey, big boy, my ultimate fantasy <laughs> is to corn in the iPhone factory." <laughs> Yeah, you're and going then, to mine cobalt or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing yeah. would turn me on more than if you mined cobalt. And so then <laughs> yeah. um, we can really just get four W's across the board. Mm-hmm. And that I would be a W for society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for coming on our ridiculous show and telling us so many fun and terrifying facts. Thank you for unaliving who needed to be unalived and sending everyone else to the factory. I really appreciate that. Uh, Taylor Lorenz. <laughs> A legend. Thank you so much. Book available everywhere, I assume. It's called Extremely Online. Please, please get it. Anywhere but Amazon. Get it at bookshop.org. Yeah. Amazing. And I, in all sincerity, I can think of a fewer more important books out right now. Um, if yeah. you want to understand the nature of the world around you and what the F we're going to do about it. So go get it. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. We love you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Oh, 
All right, text me back a lights. Unfortunately, we have to end today's show on a little bit of a sad note. A beloved member of the text me back family, Brenda Entertainment Baby, my beautiful little Pomeranian, my beautiful little daughter, has sadly passed away. She died on February 2nd. Um, as you all remember and know from the show, Brenda had a uh, a disease that was called mega esophagus, which is a very metal name for a very <laughs> kind of devastating illness. Um, and dogs who have mega esophagus tend to get uh, pneumonia, they get aspiration pneumonia. And that's what happened to Brenda. And we were really very sad because we thought we had more time with her. But she was not able to battle back from her pneumonia. And so we had to say goodbye to her um, a couple of weeks ago. Brenda was a wonderful little lady. She was very spicy. She loved her friends and loved her family. She loved to use her little stairs to get into the bed. She loved to have her little, her very tiny and very dainty butt scratched. Um, She was also totally a bully. She was very mean to me. (laughs) She was very mean to Lindy. That was all real. That was all true. But I just wanted to thank you for letting me share her with you. And thank you to everyone who sent me a lovely and beautiful message of condolence and love about Brenda. You know, she would have really savored <laughs> the attention. So thank you. Some of you asked what you could what you could do. And so I have a couple things. One is if you could just hold Brenda Entertainment Baby in your heart and love her and think of her, that would mean a lot to me. Be nice to the little tiny ones in your life. <laughs> if you see a little chihuahua or a little Pomeranian or a tiny goblin of unidentifiable breed to shoot him a little smile in the good name of Brenda. It's very hard to be small. So be nice to the tiny ones. And then the second thing you can do if you're so inclined would be to donate to the Animal Welfare League of Arlington. Um, It's in Virginia. That's where we adopted Brenda from. And we would have never been able to adopt her if the staff there and the vets there hadn't diagnosed her and given her the support that she needed. And in fact, they gave us some resources to take care of her in her last couple of days. And they can't provide that support or resources without help from the public. You can donate to AWLA, the Animal Welfare League of Arlington, at awla.org slash donate. Everybody there at that shelter knows Brenda, actually loves her (laughs) a great deal. And so when you donate, you can leave a little message and say that you're doing it on behalf of Brenda, and they'll all know who that is. And in honor of Brenda, we are going to close on something special. As you may have noticed, we have a lot of beautiful music on this show created for us by Ahamefale J. Olua, who is our musical composer and also my husband. And one of the songs, (laughs) you don't know the titles of the songs, but one of the songs he actually wrote for Brenda It's been part of the musical landscape of the show since the beginning. And the title of the song is Ain't No Esophagus Wide Enough. It's a beautiful song for our beautiful girl. So please enjoy Ain't No Esophagus Wide Enough by Ahamefale J. Oluo in honor of Brenda Entertainment Baby forever in our hearts.
Text Me Back is a production of KUOW in Seattle, a proud member of the NPR Network. Our editor is Jeannie Yandel. Our senior producer is Brandy Fullwood. Our mixer is Jason Burroughs. Diana Bowen makes our video clips, and they are delightful. I'm not just saying that because we're in them. Go enjoy them at Text Me Back Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Our production team includes Michaela Giannotti Boyle, Amelia Peacock, Alicia Villa, Hans Twite, Brendan Sweeney, and Marshall Eisen. Our music is by Chief Aha Mefile J. Oluo. Special thanks to our perfect angel, Isolda Raftery. I'm Lindy West. And I'm Megan Hatcher Mays. See you next week. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.